Okay. The recording is recording. Well, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> You've you, come to podcast here again. I have. I have. Welcome to the Yurko. Thank you. Uh, as introduced last uh, in our, our last episode, the Yurko. Taking my uh, Steve out of your Steve out of my there. pocket. Is that a new case? No, it's no. the same okay. old right. case I've always had. Darkness. But thanks for asking. All right. So uh, what you wait today? Uh, today is not a good day to ask me. Uh, why? Because I'm up. I, uh, yeah. I'm up. Uh, I'm, I weighed in at 198 today. FUPA's the same. But uh, What's the FUPA? Uh, it's 35. But, uh, so what's your uh, BPZ for your weight? Uh, so we, as discussed before, we're shooting for that 194 to 197. That's right. So, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm a little up. Now, I want to point out something to you. Yeah, I'm ready. You ever knew this, but it's like a sandwich. Okay. So the 194 and the 197 of the bread. Right. The meat's in between. So that means you've got to weigh 196.9. Yeah. Or less. Or <laughs> 190. Five. 4.1. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got it. Believe okay. me. Just don't want you to get confused and say, I'm at 197. I'm there. And I'd say, no. No. That's the bread. That's the bread. You're that's, on the bread. You got a bread. Yeah. That's you got to be in between. Right. So you're, you're a pound above the bread. Yeah. Have you been pounding bread? Is that why? No. I, uh, well, but yeah. 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 That, I mean, some of it's that. Some of it's, um, I, uh, since getting back from vacation, I haven't, I have not, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, I have not chosen uh, all the hardest workouts. You know, like I was like, oh, I'll go here. Uh, I haven't been to Metro in a, in a few weeks. And I was remarked you know, upon uh, this morning. As a matter I of doubt fact. that, but okay. No, was dull then. Yeah, I'm sure everyone is very busted up and worried. But, um, well, I, I said, Doa, today is the day of, um, for sweep the leg. But it's actually yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was sweep the leg, which I did go to. Yeah, uh, and we covered a little over four, and and uh, and it was it was a good up a hill and down a hill. Ryan, the cue said, "Well, I went back and looked at old Shark Tank um, back blasts, and that's how I came up oh, with this." Okay. That's how no, I understand. If you're not in the uh, win, show, or place first top three positions at sweep the leg, you don't get the cue. That is correct. So there's a little comp- competition down there in the South Madougal. There is, which I kind of like that. I kind of like yeah. that. Now, so we get back to COT, and of course, uh, <clears throat> I was like number five or six or something getting back out of like, you know, 15 guys that were there or whatever. And I said, well, if we're going to be honest with each other, uh, neither of those guys did any of the Merkins correctly. Ah, so, so you DQ'd them. So I feel like I'm, and they were like, that's not how it works. And I was like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, I'm just going to skip right. all the exercises and run back here and be first. Are you saying that? Just saying that? I'm just saying that. I would never do that. No, but were they skipping the exercises? Oh no, they hundred percent. The, the Merkin form was a, a, atrocious. Was it? Was it Cake Boss? Uh, it was not Cake Boss. Cake Boss okay. is Cake Boss is a full comp guy. He okay. doesn't he doesn't mind being DFL. Right. He, but he he won't run it any other way. He'll do all the stuff. He may be dead last. So uh, you don't attribute this uh, bump up in your weight to uh, the Queen? You oh no, I was going to say so. So part of it's that. Yeah. And then part of it is, um, I have not made the best food choices. What do you What have you been eating? Uh, uh, mostly. Well, I mean, I'm eating the normal things, and I think part of it is like I got a little soft over vacation as well, where it was like there was just food everywhere, and I maintained my weight during vacation, 
Uh, so I don't know if it like caught up to me or something or, or it was just coming back. It was just sort of this, a little bit of a laziness almost like, you know, Tracy, Tracy's a good cook. So I might she's have a, a caring wife. She is. She's a caring she's wife. Like, Doha, I made you cupcakes. <laughs> you should eat these. And she doesn't make desserts. Although right now my youngest is on a, uh, uh, okay. The, here's the longer story, right? Middle saved all this money to go to band camp. Right. And then band camp got closed right. or not band camp. Uh, whatever it was, some like a big band trip at the end of last year got yeah. canceled. So she had all this money and she was like, well, and I said, well, you could save it. And she was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, okay. And uh, so she bought herself an iPad. Uh, all, right. all right. That's joined to it. It's your money. That's fine. Uh, well, youngest was like, I want an iPad. And I said, well, we're not save your money. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I said, so, she, so she's been baking cakes. That doesn't help. Well, you know, every once in a while, like as a, a matter of fact, uh, the nation's uh, COO slaughter uh, purchased a cake for a couple of people in his office huh. uh, for their, you know, they, had, they each had birthdays. <laughs> But he himself did not eat it. Uh, I haven't checked in with him yet, but I feel confident that he did not. Yeah. I feel confident he did not. But, you know, the one of the cakes she baked last night that was supposed to be for slaughter, I just didn't turn out. So there it is on the counter. So let me give you a couple of tips on weight control. One, mm. if you're going on vacation, lose your weight beforehand. Ah, there you go. <laughs> go under Preemptively. Your- Go under your PPs. It's always, I've always said, I'm going to do that. I've never done it. Never done it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hard to do. Second one is, and this is yeah. from, straight from Jack LaLanne. If you put it in your mouth and it tastes good, you spit it out. Spit it out. Spit yeah. it out. Yeah. Spit the cake out. No, it's good. I'm, uh, I'm okay. Uh, and, and I will, I have no uh, hesitation or, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? No concern. Oh, that I won't get back to where I'm supposed to be. So you're going to jump back on it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little intermittent fasting for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the other thing is I kind of was like, ah, you know, it's 10. I know I'm not supposed to eat until 1130, but it's uh, not very far off, really. Uh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's 730. I'm supposed to stop eating. But, you know, you know it's like nine. That's almost seven. So that's fine. It's fine. I'll just have a little. You know how uh, in F3 we have the mental battle? Yeah. You know. Uh, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. I've heard. Uh, Thrill Mania is uh, C-SPAN talk. I was interviewed a couple of people yeah. about that for uh, his podcast. Uh, this is the FUPA battle. It is. is it? <laughs> for us, we're all fighting it. Man. For us, no, just us endomorphs. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. us endomorphs. Some of those guys don't have to worry about it. Nope. Gitmo doesn't have to worry about it. No, Gitmo, Gitmo has a little bit. Really? Yeah. No, he, he seems very slim, he but seems he seems very slim. He's, he's yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. Well, there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Not a thing. Not a thing. On that note, should we roll the open? Run, should we roll the opening? And we're back. And we are back. All right, so. <laughs> You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. And I'll be joined every week by some of the greatest leaders I can find in F3 and beyond. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach virtuous leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. Do you have any questions? Uh, No, we don't have featurettes here. It's not a feature up, but you want to have a question? No, no questions today. I'm glad you don't. No one uh, one had anything that was pressing or burning uh, from, from a nation's standpoint. I have, you know, again, if we did featurettes, 
there's so much good news that could be shared uh, from around the nation. Yeah. But but we don't, you know, we don't do that. The COT does that. Good. But uh, I do have a butcher's word. Yeah. All right, I'll buy. I've been watching a, a series okay. on home box office uh, about Perry Mason. You know what Perry Mason is? Well, yeah. Um, in fact, we uh, we did. Yeah, we we kind of mentioned him a, a week right. or two ago, because, whatever it was. Because uh, you, <laughs> you said it was Raymond Burr <laughs> who shot Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. It was Raymond Burr <laughs> yeah. played Perry Mason. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. In the, and uh, he was. I looked it up later. He got a little poorly. He did. He you did know, get a little poorly. Actually, as time went on. I looked it up too. He did. Did he? Yeah. I mean, he was always, uh, a, I think, a largish man. He was big boned. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that nothing, that, nothing, nothing to do with what you. What that's you right. So go. Well, on. no, he. But he played uh, the Perry Mason television series. Yeah. I think it was in the fifties and sixties, probably. It was black and white. It was black so, and white. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I watch it when I was a kid all the time. Um, watch those episodes. So you, uh, are you going back and watching old episodes? No. So there's a new one on HBO. A new Perry Mason. A new Perry Mason. Um, and it's an origin story. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, like uh, Batman Begins. Yes, exactly. So this is the origin story of Perry Mason. It's not done by Christopher Nolan, I imagine. No, I don't know who it's done by. (laughs) But uh, it's a different take on Perry Mason. So they they start him out as a uh, private investigator. Okay. Now, which I don't think is... For the younger-ish packs, uh, I mean, he was a a lawyer, right? Oh, wow. In the old series. It's very possible people don't know who this is. So, okay. So uh, these are come from a series of, of novels, Perry okay, Mason okay. novels that All were right. written. Good. I didn't even know that. I'm just, I think the guy's name who wrote them was Gardner, Stanley Gardner. Okay. And um, they started in the early 30s. And they're all set in Los Angeles. Okay. And I think he wrote these novels for about 20 years, 20 or maybe even 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're actually really good novels. If you want to read, if you're interested in it, you know, um, they're, they're, they're very accurately depicted. Like the courtroom, um, the questioning of witnesses and whatnot, mm-hmm. interaction with the it's judges, pretty, is, to me, it's very realistic. In fact, if you are uh, want to be a litigator, not bad books to read, hmm. you know, because it, yeah, it, it kind of goes you through that. I mean, yeah. So I read all, I've read all of them. They're really good. Um, the TV shows in the, in the 50s and 60s was very uh, emblematic of its time. I mean, okay. the Perry Mason character was very straight laced and very somber, you know? Yeah. And, uh, his, uh, sidekick Della street was his <laughs> private secretary and she was kind of a just super efficient, you know, uh-huh. well, virtuous I, woman. Yeah. You know? Naturally. Yeah. And he had the, the, uh, private investigator, Paul Drake was his name. And it, this guy was, uh, he had a little bit of a kind of a, a breezy attitude, but he's wearing a suit and tie. And it was a 50. Right. Right? Yeah. It was a 50. Everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So, uh, the dog was in a suit and tie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this origin story is rough. Around here. Okay. So the guy who plays Perry Mason is the same guy who played, uh, the main character in the Americans. I can't think of his name. Yeah. I don't, I don't If you watch, if you watch the Americans, Americans. and, uh, it's, um, it's gritty. Yeah. Well, that's what I kind of, I mean, you know, a lot of these origin stories right. that sort of have gone back now and, and you know, even in the films and right. you know, that sort of thing. But a lot of these, or it's kind of that more, a little more dark, a little more gritty. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. That's dig good. It. Yeah. You know, and they threw in some diversity cause uh, they made Dallas street a lesbian. You know, I didn't see that coming. And, and uh, Paul Drake's a black guy. So there you go. It's a little that's, more of a, that's not the 1950s, is it? <laughs> no. um, but they deal with some issues, you know, yeah. arising from that. And then uh, if you ever watched, if you like the movie uh, Chinatown, with Jack Nicholson set in the same era, kind of some of the same 
like uh, growing, emerging uh, things about Los Angeles. You know, okay. Because it's a fairly new city, 1932. So let me ask you this, and only marginally related. Are there shows that you watched uh, or movies or, or whatever? Like you, you, like you said, you know, Perry Mason, right. reasonably accurate-ish, you know, and you kind of went, oh, I, I, you learned some decent litigation from right. something like that, right? Because it's fairly real, sure. true to life. Uh, before we've mentioned uh, A Few Good Men and like that courtroom scene, you say, yeah, yeah that's, you know, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. true to life. There's and, some good stuff and, in there. Yeah. And I think you even uh, have mentioned that you use some of that kind of, um, some of those ideas and concepts in, in the book you're writing, right? Yep. And, and I use them uh, when I teach uh, classes about different aspects of litigation. I'll use clips from uh, a few good men. There's okay. Several. Yeah. Cause there's some good, really, yeah. I mean, some interesting cross and stuff like right. that. So are there movies or shows that you watch where you're just like that, that is just not even close. And that's terrible. And don't say like judge Judy. We all know that. But. Interestingly. So, well, Judge Judy's not bad for like, <laughs> a small claim. Well, that, that's small claim. It's small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's small claims court. Right. So it's right. she's actually that's it's she's much yes. more directed. But yeah. I mean, uh, that's what a, a magistrate would do. Yeah. But <laughs> a jury trial is different. So sure. Uh, oddly, the Perry Mason, the remake of Perry Mason. I like the drama. The courtroom scenes are aren't good. Really? Aren't? As, oh, they're not realistic. They're not as accurate or or seeming. Yeah. Well, the, the main thing that you just don't, it just never happens is you just don't argue evidentiary points in front of the jury. And they, they, uh, okay. you know, you, you ask the you excuse the jury. Okay. And um, I was watching it last night and they arguing one out jury sitting right there. You're like, and uh, hacks. at some point they do a sidebar, which is realistic. You do sidebars, but then they took it in the chambers and didn't, didn't transcribe the interchange. Which is not realistic at all. So there'd be somebody in there doing yeah, the thing, and yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. otherwise you can't appeal it. So the the what realistically happens is you have a you reach an evidentiary impasse, like you object to a piece of evidence. Okay, judge say sustains the objection, and the offering attorney um, asks for a sidebar. So you come up, the jury can't hear you, and he says, "Judge, this is what I'm trying to do." And the judge looks at you, and you're like, "I don't think you get it in." Yeah, and. Uh, the judge will say to the offering attorney, you know, do you want to, do you want to be heard? What that means is he's going to have to have the jury leave the courtroom. Oh, okay. And then put, so he says it out loud, but they don't see what happened there. They don't, they don't get to hear the jury things. can't hear that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So we're, it looks like we're whispering and then the jury is excused and we put it on the record. Okay. Sometimes you'll even, you know, you do what's called an offer of proof and uh, you'll ask the witness the questions you want to ask so the judge can hear them mm-hmm. and you put them on the record. And that way, the Court of Appeals can decide whether the judge made a mistake. But that, that jury never hears any of that. And in most courtroom dramas, they always have the jury sitting right there listening and watching. Why, why would you need – so why wouldn't the jury be allowed to hear all the evidence? Main reason is because if you're going to keep something out and uh, to argue it, you got to tell the judge what it is so the jury would hear it anyway. And the okay. whole point okay. is – that the you know the party opposing the introduction of that evidence would be prejudiced by that evidence, so having them hear it, then yeah, right, they, okay, all right, that makes sense, right, yeah, right. There's also another thing that is in courtroom dramas that just never, you know, never happens is that lawyers make their closing argument, you know, in the oh, it's always the yeah. end, in it's the big... no, in you know while they're questioning, I say they make their closing argument while they're questioning the witnesses. In other words. You, you can't, Wait, that, that is what they do or they, they, they show it in TV that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like the guy's on the stand. He says, well, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. That's right. You're looking at the jury and saying, yeah. if you really had thought that, you right. know, Mrs. Johnson had the, and you go on and on and on. It's right. like, that's never. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, you can't ask a witness. It's, you know, what was Mrs. Johnson thinking? You know? Um, yeah. Wasn't Mrs. Johnson thinking that? I mean, is that, that never yeah. would come in. Yeah. And, and sometimes you'll see them where they're like, ah, oh, you know, objection. Cause that's. Yeah. That's once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. But they're trying to move this story along. Right. So you have to insert these things that wouldn't necessarily exactly. be. Exact. So uh, what about, uh, let's see, uh, did you ever watch Matlock? Never watched Matlock. Yeah. Was I overseas? When was Matlock on? Was that in the eighties? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, okay. Well, you're getting old enough now. You can probably go back and watch I, it. I could watch it because I'm okay. older. <laughs> you know what I uh, saw the other day? I was like, I'm old. I'm older. Or I'm the same age as uh, President Lincoln when he was assassinated. That made me feel old. Wow. Yeah, he was 56. Wow. Yep. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, you look at those pictures of Abe Lincoln when he became president. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then after he'd been and, ridden hard, and, put away wet. Man, he, yeah. he aged 20 years. He had kind of a tough go of it. He aged 20 years. Man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years and six years, basically. Yeah. Well, it's good that uh, running running after nation isn't as stressful because you look just as useful. Well, I got a lot of help. I got uh, I got, right. I got the doe hammer out there. <laughs> got every uh, slaughter right. Got Jimmy Crotch Rocket running the foundation and and countless Nantans, countless Nantans, and everyone else all across got, the whole. Got our uh, culture team, you know. Yeah. Got Kitty, Kitty, and, right? Yeah. Got your team. Got your SLT the fibs and. All the all the kids. All the I really do have to do though is articulate. Oh yes, I, that's a good segue. That is a good segue because like that's, that. uh, that's our that's our cue point, point for the day. <laughs> so, um, we, folks, I gotta tell you, Pax, we, we don't start with any idea how we're gonna get to wherever it is we're going. <laughs> like not even a, not even a half an idea. We just sort of start. Just go there. Yeah, we just start just and then go. Then these brilliant things happen. Go it's there. amazing. So I don't know our, how you don't listen to this twenty four hours a day. And over and over again. I mean, it's an endless loop. So uh, this is in the third quadrant, the lead right. Yes. Uh, it is the Q3.5, the Q point preceding it was vision, which we talked about last week, Q3.4, right. which is, you know, the thing that you see, right? That's the, yeah. the recognized advantage and the movement required to uh, achieve it. Yep. The whole picture. Right. And that's internal. Mm-hmm. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, boom, got a vision. <laughs> or whatever, however it comes to you. Uh, or something that's been nagging at you for 20, 30 years. Yeah. That you finally are able to say, man, if we could only have that better mousetrap, right? That's the vision. Yeah. Articulation is describing that vision to others. Which it seems like should be easy. Uh, yeah. So I think we said in, in the Q source that whereas everyone has visions, Yes. Like no matter like, how small. No matter how small. Yeah, they can see some advantage in what it takes to get there. And uh, like, you're just going to have them. Yeah. You know, and it might be really small. Sure. Um, smallish or relatively small. Doesn't really matter. Um, not everyone articulates. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> hey, why not? Um, I think one reason is, or the first reason we identified is people don't perceive that they're very good at it. So... Ergo, they're not good at it, so they don't want to do it. Sure. Uh, which is true of anyone. Um, and to that, we say, well, go get good at it. Right. 
put in some reps. Because if you got a working tongue in your mouth, <laughs> yeah, then I mean, you are physically capable. Then you are physically capable of doing And you know, whatever vision you have or whatever you have to share is not going to be had by anyone else unless you're willing to do it. Yeah. I think a lot of times guys, uh, and, and presumably gals as well, but, uh, but they, they hesitate because we don't even recognize that what we have seen is of enough advantage, you know, like sure. you kind of look and go, ah, it's not, I mean, it's just, that's not that big a deal. Right. So I'm not going to bother telling right. you. Right. Right. You know, um, they think it's too insignificant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That just doesn't matter. Um, I'm wondering if that's that prevalent of a obstacle to people. No. And I guess I say that because people seem to be telling me small and insignificant things all the time. Mm. Uh, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but barfing I, is significant, insignificant amount of you know, in, information right, on you is one right, thing. Right. 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 No, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that could be true. I, I think that, um, it's the bigger visions that people are reticent, you know, to share with one another. Well, I think too, that, uh, if the bigger the vision I, in some ways, almost it's like, it's almost scary to start sure. telling people about it. Sure. Cause then good heavens, number one, you open yourself up to a lot more potential ridicule. Right. You know, as soon as you let a man in your head, right. You know, right. And, and you're like, I got this weird idea of this thing that I think we could do. And, you know, if that guy's not on the same page and he looks at you and goes, yeah. well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Right. That, that can be tough to, sure. to, you know, that's a, you know, you touch the hot stove, right? I mean, it makes right. you a little more reticent the next time, a little sure. more reticent the next time. But. Yeah. It's, you know, nobody wants to get a pitch and you have a pitch right yeah. back, throw them right back at you. Yeah. Um, although I'm not sure that happens very often. No. Ridicule. I mean, you know, it depends or, who you're. Or perceived. I think it's people are restrained by the perception that the vision will alarm people. Okay. You know, uh, it'll make them feel fearful because the vision, if it's, you know, worth a darn is going to require movement. So, so it's more about, I don't tell you because I'm afraid it's going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. It's going to make you mad. Mm. You know, I'm, you know, sure. the, what you're going to hear is going to mean that you're going to have to uh, depart from the status quo. You're going to have to uh, warm here. sustain some pain, but it's comfortable. You're going to have to enter into a period of chaos, which is, you know, uncontrollable yeah. events. And uh, you know, you want to, you want to stay where you are. I got some, you know, I got some bad news for you. Just can't stay here. Here's a better path. Here's where you should yeah. go. Okay. And then uh, they, they think that while wow, the reaction this person is going to have is, is not going to be good, you know, and that's often the case when you articulate, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No question. Because you're telling someone that where they are right. isn't, isn't okay. All right. So, or you're telling them they have to move away from something that they've grown accustomed to. So if you're going to articulate, you have to get it in your head. Number one, you're going to practice. Right? Sure. So if I'm working on a vision, like I'm starting to see it, I like to tell it to different people, mm -hmm. different kinds of people. Um, you know, my wife, you know, different people in my consent, but maybe during a workout you know, particularly on a run. Yeah. As I'll say, man, what do you think of this? Throw it at them and see what they say. And um, kind of like test it that way. That's the way I do it mm -hmm. uh, and see how that reacts so I can get better at it. So by the time I might be revealing it publicly to people that don't know me, that's a big thing. So you're talking to somebody, you know, and you tell them a vision, articulate it, and they know you, they give, you give you a lot of benefit of the doubt, sure, right? So sure. you're looking for people to kind of help you. She's like, you know, push back at me. You know, tell me, you know, right. am, I, am I persuading you? Am I convincing you of this? Or do you understand it, right? Um, so that's 
that's good to do that. Gets you good practice. Then um, understanding that people aren't going to like it. You know, you have to focus on instead whether they understand it. So you have to say to yourself, well, you know, when I cast this vision, when I articulate it, it's not that they're going to like it. Um, right. Because if they like it, right off, maybe, maybe it was. <laughs> you're not really asking them to do anything. Well, yeah. Yeah. You're just saying, do, do, do what you're comfortable with, do what you That's like. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, we're talking about courtroom scenes, but a closing argument in a way is an articulation of a vision. So, you know, you're asking the jury to move away from a status quo in a way, mm. you know, to find for your client one way or the other. So you're presenting a vision to them, you know, the vision of the person's liability or non-liability. I'm mm-hmm. a civil lawyer, you know, for a criminal lawyer, that would be right, uh, guilt, guilt or, or innocence, innocence right? sure. guilt or not guilty, rather. Um, so you're asking to do something, asking to do something. Um, you have to be very focused on articulating it so they understand it. They may well not like it. Let's say you're, you know, you have a client um, that's, done, that's done something it's resulted in the plaintiff, you know, you represent the defendant, it's done something that's resulted in the plaintiff being economically harmed. Um, you know, they, your guy did what he did and, you know, the other guy was harmed by it. Only thing is the law does not provide that remedy. You know, that happens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, there is no duty to rescue in most states. M- meaning? You can sit on the shore of a oh, shallow lake, watch a guy drown. Shallow pond and watch him drown. You're kind of a. <laughs> well, you know what? There'll I mean, be there'll be bigger. Any number of reasons. You're facing Fine. bigger, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know you don't um, you don't have a duty to rescue. So you know um, someone uh, sues you because you're you literally watched their loved one drown mm-hmm. and and didn't do anything about it and then and then remarked. I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I had never, I'm like Johnny Cash. I did it just to watch him die. I, yeah. you know, I, uh, I'd never seen a guy. Before. Well, you know, jury's not going to like that very much. No, but, but the problem is the law is such that that's the law. They didn't, you didn't violate a duty. And the only way you can be found liable for a, for even tort or contract is if you violated some kind of duty, mm-hmm. some kind of duty agreed to in a contract or some kind of duty, that is uh, foisted upon you by the common law, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a duty of due care if we do something, but we do not have a duty of due care if we do nothing when it comes to, you know, someone um, in peril. Mm-hmm. So uh, without that duty of rescue, you've got to convince the jury to do something they don't want to do, which is to find a no on liability because they want to. Right, because especially in the, the right. scenario you outlined here, that's, like, right. That's, right. that's a horrible person. Like, how- that's right. And you've got to I want to punish that guy. You've got to first of all make sure they understand the duty of rescue. That that's what that that they understand that law. Yeah. And you know you know you and you you might say you're not gonna like it. Right. I don't need you to like it. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you like it. So yeah. a judge is gonna tell you the law and the law is yeah, look, I don't like it. Right? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Um now the persuasion part, you know, that's next the next right. point is different. You t- give them reasons why. Um you know, when you persuade them to the movement, but you know, when you're articulating a vision, you say, well, I'm going to ask you to do something that's not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's movement from a status quo to a place you don't want to be. Um, it's tough, but you're not going to do it. Nobody will move unless they understand clearly where they're going. Oh, for sure. And why? Well, and, and, and 
yeah, I know we've we've largely moved on from discussing these kinds of things, but uh, you know, as an example, we have received certain instruction uh, with regard to how we will and won't meet uh, in our church meetings, as an example. Yep, and we have uh, there are those amongst us who feel like we haven't gotten a very clear picture of why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Like help, help me understand, you know, why these rules versus those rules right. or these situations right. versus those situations or, and really, you know, I say that with, you know, our meeting, but it could be anywhere. Right. Um, and, and it becomes almost impossible. Almost. Well, maybe it is impossible. Let's think about that without being a pain in the butt. I'm going to say almost impossible to get a person to move or get them to do what you think they should do, even if it's a good thing, if you don't explain to them why it is and help them clearly understand sure. why it is that they're trying to get to where they're going. Where are we going? Why is it better there than here? How much pain is going to cause me along the way? Yeah. They've got to know that. You have know? to. They, they, and if you don't, if you're not honest with them and you use uh, chicanery right. uh, to get them to move, as soon as they find out you're a lion, you lost them. It's over. Uh, if you use compulsion... Right, you just as bad. As soon as they feel like they can escape your grip, turn around, turn back, (laughs) you know. No, it's true. You know, I mean, so you know that it doesn't work. You have to be, you have to be honest. That's candor, right? You have to tell people this is, this is all. It's a hard movement, but it's worth it, and here's why. Right. And then you know that's, that's that's critical. Yeah, we. uh, So I gave a a talk to a nonprofit workshop thing uh, last week, and was trying to explain this in a way that is, and I didn't want to have anything political or anything. You know, I wanted to be very, very just non-offensive in any possible way. Right. right? And so the advantage that I described to them was I, you know, it was right at lunchtime that we were doing this thing. And I said, we're, I'm hungry. You're hungry. And we're going to go get Cheerios. Like, and I helped them understand clearly what, a you know, what this bowl of Cheerios would look like. Right. You know, and then I started to articulate what it was going to take to get those chairs. <laughs> it's just so stupid, right? But it, it it really pointed it up in a way for them because just saying, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that, you know, or whatever. Like if I just said, hey, can somebody go do this? Or, hey, we're going to go do that. You know, I said, look, you know, we're going to get out there. And, and the fact is, is you're going to pass other things. There might be, a, you know, you're going to think a, a food truck that's passing by might be, you know, a better choice because there's more food in there. But you're, you know. But we have a vision of where we have to get to. and, and We have a know. Cheerio vision. Yeah, we have a Cheerio vision. Yeah. Right. And so, so help me with, a, I mean, Cheerios is stupid and we don't want to get weird political. But like when, when I look and I say, okay, here I am in my, in my mammon or, you know what, better yet, in my home. Right. Walk me through an example of a vision we might have and then how you might articulate that to shorties. Oh, uh, like a vision. Yeah. Of, of advantage for the family. For the family. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good and challenging question because that's a place where, you know, obviously. It's tough. That, that's yeah, tough. Yeah. The leader, that leadership is required. Yeah. So I can think of one that's actually never hit me, but I've heard other guys talk about it, which you know, I've been able to live in the same, basically the same house, for, you know, for almost 20 years. So my kids have been raised oh, there. Okay, yeah. I like but, where you're going because I was right. thinking like, oh, do you, you know, the like limitation of screen time or you know something like that. Yeah, or, I think those are are micro advantages, or whatever. But they're, yeah, you know, they'll almost 
kids will go along with that just to get you off their back. Right? <laughs> but like, but move. That's literally movement. Look, I just can so imagine. You help understand. Yeah. And I was met, met with a guy today. Who told me he works in a, works for a corporation that's moving him around quite a bit. Mm, okay. So like two, three years in a place, and you know, two, three years. In a, so my three daughters are in t- are in high school right now. If I were to say to them, you know, we're going to move to another state. Oof. Um, they'd be like, well, that would uh, be a mom's huge... going to live in this house. We're would... staying with her, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a huge change in their status quo, right? Yeah, that'd be very big. And uh, they would really have to understand where we were going, why we were doing it mm. mm-hmm. um, for them to. Because that would be exceedingly uncomfortable. Man, I know they wouldn't like it. Yeah. You know, obviously they wouldn't like well, it. Well, how could they? Yeah. yeah. How could they, right? So they wouldn't like it. Um, and I could compel them, but I don't want to compel them. No. I want no. them to, to. Well, they'll never, they'll never integrate. They'll never be happy. It'll always That's be. right. Remember when Charlotte? Oh, right. Yeah, but uh, you know um, that would be a tough one there. <laughs> but you'd have to be example. you'd have to be pretty clear, articulate to that to them. You know, you know, this is the house we'll be living in. This is the school yeah. that you'll be going to. Yeah, you know, this is the kind of neighborhood it is. You know, uh, we're moving to Memphis, so there's going to be a lot of rules. Man. Right, I love them. You know, but there's a big river there. You're gonna like, yeah. you know, you you gotta you gotta be a large crawl backwards that, right? up this hill. But maybe most importantly, this is why. You know, yeah. maybe it's a job opportunity. Maybe it's because you have a loved one who's sick and you want to be closer to them. So, and the, so that's a so that's a great example. So, do, is the way that you? I mean, there's any number of ways you could do it. I suppose in terms of how you lay out the vision and, and exactly what it is. Is that the kind of thing where you maybe, and and Pax, I didn't. <laughs> these idiot questions just come to me sometimes in the moment. So I'm grateful that dread can, can vamp like that. But so I'm just thinking of more idiot things, but um, like, do you, do you lay it out and say, Hey, look, this is a sacrifice we're all going to have to make kind of a thing or. Right. Like, so I, I think that's pretty important too, um, that we're all making it, you know, it'd be one thing to say, you know, look, you know, yeah, we're, we're right. moving to Memphis. Sorry about that. It's going to be terrible for you guys. But I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, obviously, yeah. you've got to, you know, as a leader, you, they've got to know that you're leading the way yeah. uh, along a difficult path. You know, that, that that's not something that they're just going to be expected to do by themselves. No, well, it's funny because that's a good, and it's such a good example because about three-ish years ago, I guess it was, um, I, I was pretty convinced we were going to move, you know. Uh, we had spent, you know, we spent the first half of our marriage here, uh, on this coast. Um, you know, my wife's family, Tracy's family is all out in Utah and she's had some desire to go out. She wants to sing with the Tabernacle Choir, you know, that kind of thing. Like we've talked about that. Um, and, uh, you know, and even just suggesting it, I mean, caused chaos, (laughs) massive amounts of uncertainty and pain. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't it? No, of course. Well, right. yeah, and and we knew that it would, but right. man, you know, and it was like, well, we're not doing anything yet. Relax, relax. And they're like, but, 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 you know, and they start just going down this rabbit hole right. of, you know, how awful everything's going to be. But you know, we talked about didn't put this really frame of reference for it, but you know, articulation is the second of leadership skills, right? So yeah. visual vision, articulation, persuasion, exhortation, right? That's how you get people to move. Yep. And um, it, it, you know, and I said that one of the reasons why people don't articulate is because they they're, believe they're not very good at it. And it's true. They're not. <laughs> no, they really aren't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, it's true. If we, if, if, right. if, if we were better at it, we wouldn't have as many. And I, 
uh, pushback, right? The one thing I see to a great extent people, particularly political leaders fail at when they articulate is they tell you about the, the movement, but not the destination so much, right? You know, we've got to be, and it's vague, right? We've got mm-hmm. to become, a, we've got to be, uh, I'll just take uh, C-19, you know, sure. coronavirus as an example, so that's, yeah. that's right. What is the destination? Uh, that's true. Well, you know, I mean, that, no that, that, that's, yeah. that's why I look at my own state is like, what's the end state? Yeah. I'll make sacrifices. Sure. Of course I will. Everyone will. Yeah. Right. But, but what are we headed to? Right. But to what end? You know, to what a is... kinder and brighter tomorrow. That's right. Well, I, my, so <laughs> I think that mostly they'll say, well, we have to be healthier. We have to make sure that no one's exposed. Those are all good aspirations, but they're not places. Right. You know, and... Uh, yeah, they're vague ideas. They're right? vague ideas. So if you said, if the governor said, well, we're going to... Um, keep these masks on until the rate of mm, mm-hmm. uh, infection, infection is down to less than 50 a day across the state. Right. I mean, I'm not in much of a position to say whether that's the right number or not, but which is why the next thing you could say is because we have found that. Right. You know? I mean, um, it's a little frustrating to me to have the leader not say this is, this is the place to which we are going. Yes. This is the vision that I see, you know, and then, cause there's no way that you can align your sacrifice. No, there's no way you can do it. No. I mean, um, in fact, was it something that you wrote or something I read or something I was listening to uh, the other day, but it was like the, in, in speaking about uh, like soldiers, right? the men that are and the women that go to defend the country often like no one loves the idea of sitting in the heat in the middle no. east or whatever no one loves the idea of shooting at or getting shot at right right no one loves that idea without exception of a few outliers i'm sure but but uh but with a clear enough vision and articulation of what it is that needs to be done what it's going to take to get sure. there, where we are headed and why we need, you right. know, blah, blah, blah. Well, they give you the objective. Right. And they're like, and, and I, it was, the way that it, that it was described in this, uh, whatever, I can't remember what it was now, but the way it was described is basically like, that's why, you know, a 19 year old kid can go, oh, okay, I got it. And, and right. he knows you might die and that's okay. And he'll, he'll march in anyway. It doesn't yeah, matter. Maybe a little less than okay. But you know, that's what he signed up for. But that's what, but, but he'll, but sure. he'll do it willingly. Right. He doesn't have to be, you know, they don't have to beat him until he's like, okay, fine. So, you know, if we were going to do a mission and the mission required movement, yeah. you know, physical movement, mm-hmm. um, we would make a sand table of the terrain. So it's like a little version. Mm-hmm. Like you take the map and you make this table. Here's hills, trees, right. whatever. And here's the objective. And you'd walk them through it. This is where we start. You know, this is the rally point. You know, this is where we're going to move from, line of departure. Here's where we expect the enemy. And you're pointing everything out. And they could see it and visualize it in their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the objective this hilltop crossroads whatever it is right you know so you're not just slugging along you didn't just say all right men move out <laughs> everybody got their all right fellas we're gonna go take everybody's, everybody's rifle loaded okay good. all right here yeah. we go here we go <laughs> <laughs> are you crazy yeah what are we gonna do we're gonna go until somebody shoots at us all right then we're gonna I'll shoot back i mean it <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense right, right? i yeah, mean it, no it's i mean you would do it because you're compelled to do it because yeah. you're you know you're under discipline but i mean uh or if moses said to the Israelites, 
uh, we're going to leave Egypt. I'm sorry, I'm out of here. We're leaving. And where are we going? I don't know. Out there. Yeah. I don't know. Uh -huh. We're going to wander about. <laughs> right. So we're going to the promised land, right? I mean, right. this is, we're going back home, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where yeah. we're supposed to be. And, and they're like, uh, okay, we can sign up for that. Yeah, we can sign up for that. You yeah. know, and he, even, even though along the way they didn't love it, you know, because they hit a lot of hostels oh, yeah. that he had to exhort them through. Um, but uh, that's kind of how I feel in the time of, of COVID is like, uh, we're just wandering around for 40 years. <laughs> I mean, what's, where are we going? Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. And I think that that's... Somebody show me the I'm really thing. trying to avoid being political here, but that's a, that is a... I don't even think that's political. It's just having to be political leaders are the ones that are making these decisions. But I mean, it's a failure to articulate yeah. an end state. Right. The, where we're going, what that advantage is. Well, I'd I mean, say it's not political because it's across the board in every leader. I mean, every civic leadership yeah, position well, we're seeing right now. I think so, everybody I mean, would agree that, you know, we can't just stay here in the sense that. Well, know, we don't even know we're here is hardly. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's say the, you know, the pandemic. Right. Yeah. We can't just, you know, indefinitely well we can't yeah. just stay here people are getting sick and you know of course something has to be done sure it's just this the status quo is untenable right so where's the better place and what is it how are we getting there uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah no i hear you i hear you yeah i mean this is this is one of the tougher the, these four skills i think are because it's you know it's one thing to have the characteristics that we're going to talk about in in upcoming weeks and some of those things are are natural to right. you to some degree or you come with them or you can watch them observed uh, right. and, and imitate or, you know, whatever it might be. And then there's some challenges in there as well. Sure. But these skills, well, this is tough. You got to learn how to do them. Like, and, you know, of course they don't know how to articulate. No, no. You know, why would, where's the example? You know, when we get to the leadership development process, we're like, you know, in, uh, in the fourth quadrant, we start talking about, yeah, you got schooling yeah. where you're taught formal leadership instruction got an uh, opportunity like apprenticeship where you learn from mm -hmm. a, from a skillful leader, you know, you got opportunities to lead. Right. And then, you know, you got go failure, yeah. right. That's, that's how you become a leader and, you know, just keep doing that it's over and old, over again. The old say off method. Right. But uh, we, why would we expect necessarily political someone in the governance to have that skill? And they don't. Well, again, they don't. Where did they get the schooling? Where did they get the opportunities? Where, right. you know, none of those things. But they don't have any of those things. And you know, what they're good at is getting elected. Right. And staying and, and staying in there, yeah. <laughs> which then when confronted with uh, a challenge, you know, like, like we're having right now, of course they don't have a bag of skills to pull in. No. You know, they didn't sit in a room and go, well, we need, we need to articulate a clear vision of, of how we get through this right. and make sure that everyone understands it, whether they like it or not. And once they understand it, then we can begin to persuade them, Right. you know, um, the last thing I'll say about it is it's governor of North Carolina said the other day, if you don't want to wear, wear a mask, you're selfish. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> a, there's a difference between wanting to do it and doing it. Right. Right. And B, I've never persuaded a single person any time to do anything by first calling them a name. Uh, no, never have. No, you can get them to dig in on their side a little further sure. if you want. Get to make them mad. But yeah. you know, if, if you, you go to the guy and you want him to initiate movement, you want to persuade him telling him that uh, before he even turns you down, that, he, you know, he's a bad person. Right. <laughs> it's not. Nailed it. Just, <laughs> just, just, not, no. just not following that one. Um, other than the fact that there's, you know, there's no reason to think that that particular member of the governance has the leadership skills. You know, how would he, would he right. how would he have gotten them? Right. If, unless he had 
unless that he'd gone through some kind yeah, of that was process. part of his life. Yeah. My, my understanding is it is not. So yeah. what that means for the rest of us in the community is uh, we have to pull up the slack. Yeah. You know, we have to, you know, instead of sitting around saying, oh, he's, you know, governor's not telling us what to do right. So I'm just not going to do anything. or I'm going to do the wrong thing. That's not right either. Yeah. You know, no. as, as individual leaders in our communities, we have to, we have to pick up the slack for them. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty happy to say that when I look at it, F3, I see that slack getting pulled all the time. True. You know, where the governance is, is failing to lead. Uh, three guys step up yeah. and they, they apply leadership for the advantage of their community and their organizations. And that's kind of what we're about, right? I would say yes. Yes. The, thank the you. mission, <laughs> the mission statement on the Seems to cafeteria say wall of F3 headquarters <laughs> clearly, say clearly says it. All right. Uh, what do I call you now? Podcast face? I'm not telling you. <laughs> Pod face? I don't even know what I am. Yeah. Radio uh, face? Radio face. Yeah. Podcast face. Podcast face. Okay, right, here's pod. the deal. You have yeah. a face. Yes. It's not worthy of much. We'll just <laughs> just say that. Will you take that face? Yes. And go do something good. I will. Okay. Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about F3, leadership, or anything else, write to us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Tweet us at at 43feetpodcast or find us on Facebook at 43feet. While you're there, give us a follow. Also, if you like this podcast, share it with a friend, rate us, and write a review. It really does help others find us. Until next time, we'll be out here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult the 43 feet out front.